Hey, it's Brian. Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. I'm going to tell you about our sponsor real quick, Two Foot Parade Records. Um, They are an independent record label based in Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, whose mission is to invest in artists without requiring them to give any partial ownership of their work. Um, So, woke as shit. I dig it. Um, They have two new releases currently. um, Worry Club's Volume 1 mixtape and Nestle Lake's Low Light Cassette are both available for purchase on their website, um, twofootparade.com. They are currently accepting submissions from bands on their website, um, and all their social medias can be found at at twofootparade. So that's twofootparade.com and at twofootparade. Um, And Gabe, who runs it, is just really cool. Um, I've met him. Goes to shows, involved in the scene. You know, they're really cool. Um, The only time I met Gabe, we fucked around quite a bit with Pat Ray. So I don't know if you even remember Gabe, but we had a good time and I could tell that if I was to work with Two Foot Parade Records, there'd be a really good artist to label um, communication. So that's all I'm going to say for now. Um, Check them out and enjoy the episode. Hey, this is Brian again. Um, This episode, first of all, I just want to say that I hate computer programs that automatically start when you start your computer and it takes forever. Um, That being said, I'm not angry about that at all right now. I'm not frustrated trying to act happy as the host. Um, No, not at all. This episode features the Blowies uh, from Austin, Texas. Really interesting episode. I really enjoyed it. They are one of those bands that have a really defined, um, their singer has a really defined stage persona. You can hear it in in the uh, vocal delivery and things like that. And I'm really fascinated by that. I'm pretty sure I said the word fascinated about 50 times during this episode. If anyone can count and and message me the amount of time I... uh, I said the word fascinating in this episode. I will give you something free. Um, yeah, anyways. But this episode's really fun. Was really fun. Um, and I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember I said fascinating a lot. And uh, I remember it was good. And I remember that I have their phone numbers and I'm going to hit them up because I'm thinking of moving to Austin. Anyways, um, I'm not actually. Don't worry, Benny. Um, but anyways, yeah. You guys enjoy this. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, at ITN Pod on Twitter, at Invite the Neighbors on Instagram, and share this podcast with your friends. Uh, share it with your grandmother and her in the old folks' home. Um, share it with the milkman if you have one, and share it. Go to a cemetery and just blast this in the middle of the night. Blast this podcast for all the spirits. Anyways, thank you for listening and enjoy the blowies. So yeah, are you guys? So you're from Austin, I read, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is it just the two of you in the band? Yes. That's kind of dope. I feel like it's weird because I've seen I I played it in a two piece for a while, not by choice, just <laughs> by like I could only find a drummer to play with and like i couldn't find anybody else but i was just like all right well i'm just i'm not gonna not play shows so i'll just do this but are you guys a two-piece by choice or is it just like that's the lineup currently so it's a two-piece as far as creativity goes but when we do our live shows we'll have a drummer with us and we bring a drummer in to uh help recording you know tracking drums but we're we do bass guitar tucker and i Oh, okay. Okay. And, and yeah, but primary writing comes from us. 
Okay, I was going to say, yeah, I was listening to your, uh, well, I'm, you should know, by the way, I'm like super ADD. And so like, if I get off topic, that's, that's par for the course. And, uh, this podcast is very loosey goosey, very casual, conversational, and feel free to go off on tangents, ask questions, things like that. I should tell you that before we really get started. Um, and you can swear, you can, you know, just have fun with it. But, uh, I was going to say like, I've seen, it's weird to see, like, I've seen a lot of actual two-piece bands, but it, I've only seen them, like, metal. Like, I, there's this band called 68, that they're this two-piece, and they're, like, one of the most insane bands. I feel like when you're just two people, or even a three-piece, I feel like you have to, like, bring more energy to sort of make up for the, the lack of onstage presence. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's got to be something else there. There's one yeah. band that we played with, Tucker. Do you remember what they're called? Was it uh, Sideshow Tragedy? Tragedy. I think they were a two-piece band. They might I, don't I don't know, but they were they were pretty rocking. I think they've been around yeah. forever. I mean, look, uh, what about like the White Stripes or uh, what's uh? Yeah. What's the the band with uh, Tighten Up? I'm blanking on their name right now. Uh, Black Keys. Black Keys. They're a two piece. Two piece band. Yeah, but they. I think they like live. They have a larger, you know, uh, show, but not early on. Early on, they started just the two of them. Oh, okay. See, like my problem was like I was playing. My band was a two piece, but I was writing a record with like as for like a five or six piece. So right, and, right. It was one of those like if you build it they will come like if i record a record for five or six people then hopefully the universe will bring me five people to play <laughs> music live sure but yeah. with your guys' situation like did are you like friends with the drummer or did you like have to like go hired gun in order to get someone to play live or what what's your guys's kind of arrangement so our drummer is the guy who usually plays drums with us and like the recordings and things like that, his name is uh, Z Lynch, and he was a good friend of uh, he's been a good friend of mine since uh, since my first band when I was fourteen or fifteen, and so I've known him for my whole life uh, pretty much. Uh, and then whenever we have uh, lately our show, well our more recent shows, uh, we have. Uh, I have a different drummer and he's this kid that I used to teach uh, lessons to. And, uh, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So at the time he was like, you know, 12 and he was playing rush songs on drums. You know, oh, line line. And I was like, dude, like Freddie from, uh, what's that fucking school of rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's it's that. Killer. Like he's pretty teaching bands and, and uh, I remembered him and we kind of thought it would be funny. Like, what, what if we got this kid, you know, he's got the chops. But then, and, then he, and then he was down and uh, his parents are cool. And yeah, you got to get like the permission slip, I feel like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's what? He's now 16? I think he's 16 now. 16? Yeah. yeah. How old are you guys? Uh, uh, I'm thirties, early thirties. Yeah, I'm thirty. Sam, Sam I'm thirty-two. 
Yeah. We're right around the same age that I'm 29. So you guys are running like the Big Brother program, but punk rock version. Yeah. We just like take area <laughs> kids and <laughs> give them <laughs> badass experiences of playing drums in a rock band. That's fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he's good enough. And, uh, you know, he, it's awesome live. You know, he kills it. It's, have you guys done any touring at all? No. Not as the blowies. Yeah. Both of us have been in, in bands uh, previously that have toured a ton. Oh, okay. We'll get into that a little bit later. I was just curious because, like, I, I saw this band, um, and their drummer looked like he was about 16, 17. Like, he looked, he looked like he was dressed for, like, picture day at school. And <laughs> I, I just kept looking around, like, where are your parents? But then I realized, like, oh, they're they're just kind of living the dream right now. This kid's probably eighteen, just graduated high school. Like, there's no way he was any older than that. And I'm sitting there. I was 28 at the time, thinking like, I've never toured. Like, how the fuck did this kid figure it out at 18? And I'm still trying to figure this shit out. But Sam yeah. used to. Sam was around that age when he started touring. I went to uh, England. We did a run in England and a run, a run in Japan when I was 17, my first band. It's fucking rad. Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. Um, I'm hoping that that's like a a possibility. Like, I'm I'm curious, like, how did you arrange that? Like, because I've met a couple of people like from doing this podcast. Like, I've met, you know, I mean, when I say met, I just mean like talking like this, but people from Britain and people from Australia. And I it put the idea in my head, like, Oh, it'd be really cool if I could like play over there one day. But how did you guys get hooked up over there? So honestly, it was kind of a fluke. Um, at least for the, uh, the Japan story, we uh, secured a slot at Austin city limits music festival. Cause we had won a uh, battle of the bands competition. Sweet. in austin and then uh the the award was get to play the opening slot at at the festival so uh there were some people from japan that owned an independent record label and they saw us play and invited us to go and be on their record label for a release and did like a week worth of shows over there made Pretty some rad. fans pretty awesome it was cool and it was like a one-off like one week thing in tokyo we never went back but uh it was definitely an experience i was gonna say like in terms of just like bucket list experience you know that's that's rad and it's like you kind of got it out of the way and if you ever decide to go back like you've done it too you know what i mean yeah true like i'm curious like what are some of the um what are like some of the biggest challenges of like going overseas to play like how like, do you bring all your equipment or do you kind of like share amps uh, and stuff or how does that work well we had to we had to rent amps um and rent some guitars like the acoustic guitars we didn't bring with us but we did bring our electric guitars and pedals um that was an interesting challenge because you don't know what you're gonna get you know um but i think that the the biggest challenge for me was the was the language. You know, a lot of people do speak English over there. Most people do, but it's still kind of 
don't know. It's it's difficult, but it's it's yeah. fascinating, man. Like to, I love the culture over there. Um, everybody loves beautiful. Americans. Yeah, it is. Everybody I was in. I went to China for like a study abroad for like just for like three weeks. And um, a bunch of people there were telling me that I need to go to Japan because it's way better. Not talking shit about China or whatever, but I just heard that like if you like Asian culture, then Japan is like one of the best places to go because it's just like so beautiful. And like I've heard it's like very pristine and the people, like you said, they all like love Americans and stuff. Mm-hmm. I love I'm, American I'm music. Yeah, I'm curious, like, do they just, you know, I imagine a lot of people in the crowd, like, don't understand what you're even saying. It's hard to imagine, like, a band playing in the United States, like, singing in Japanese and a bunch of people being there. So it's kind of interesting how the culture works that way. Like, Yeah, definitely. Is, did you guys, like, have promotion beforehand to where, like, anyone, like, knew the songs or were, were you, they basically just there to see a show? So, yes, they, there was some promotion and marketing that went into it. And I didn't really, you know, I was a kid, I was 17. I was like, I don't, I just get to go to Japan and play. That's so cool. But I didn't know what was going on on the business end because it just, there's so much that goes into it. But I, uh, I was pleased and surprised to see that people who came to see us knew our songs. We did like a showcase like our big our big show there was a showcase and it was just us and we did a 45 minute set to a room of 300 or so with no opener yeah and it was like it was really surreal and like nobody ever comes to see us play in austin (laughs) that's awesome yeah i feel like you hear about bands that they make it they get big in like another country and then in their home country they're just kind of just like middling you know yeah, that was ha- that was what happened to us, at least for that that year. Now, were you guys both in that band, or was it just the one of you? It was just me, Sam, um, and the the drummer that I mentioned earlier. He was in that band as well. Um, oh, okay, not the sixteen yeah. year old now. Uh, he he would have been like eight. <laughs> he yeah, he would have been he would have been like four. <laughs> then we're then we're talking like real prodigy. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, Tucker wasn't in that band. I didn't know Tucker until like 2015. So yeah. So how did you guys get this band uh, going? Uh, we were playing together in an, in uh, another project of ours called Sharks in the Deep End. And uh, when um, <laughs> when Trump was elected president, we sort of uh, both had this desire and need to to vent and to write songs about um more topical things because the other project was more uh internal um emotional drama that sort of stuff this was our outlet for uh commenting on uh the issues of the day whatever they may be and did you decide like because i listened to it today um and you guys definitely, there's like definitely some humor in it, you know, like there's definitely like, uh, like energy. It's not like a, I wouldn't say it's like a, like humor is like the main tenet of it. It's, it's obviously like political, but it's definitely fun. It seems like you guys would be fun to see live. And oh, yeah. I'm curious about the, um, 
whenever like you hear a singer that there's like obviously like a, a persona, you know what I mean? I'm fascinated with like stage personas because like I'm talking to you guys right now and I can't tell which one of you is the singer based on like what the, the vocals sound like on the recording. And because there's like <laughs> there's like a presence, you know what I mean? It's like you're definitely like doing like a, a voice that works and it, it reminds me, you know, I can't put my finger on it exactly, but like especially with like the like the echoey recording on the vocals, it's just, it's just very like classic like punk and i'm just curious like what what was the sort of inspiration for for like that like stage persona and um does that is like that something that just kind of comes naturally or what what goes into that yeah i think uh <laughs> it's funny uh, uh you're not the first person to to bring this up i i think uh we we were interviewed a few weeks ago uh by uh, this uh, guy in Austin um, who is also a musician and he uh, referenced Prince and he was like, yeah, Prince has this voice he does. He actually named this character, you know, that he sings in yeah. his voice. And uh, I think, you know, it's not, it, I don't think it was a conscious decision to like have that at first. But it definitely, these songs lend themselves to this, like, sort of character where you're just, I don't know, I, I'm the singer. By no, the it works. And, and, and uh, it, it's like, uh, the attitude is this snotty sort of, like, you know, fuck everything thing. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's that's sort of the energy that comes through is, like, this snotty character that, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it is, it is a part of me, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly how, how I feel like that pointy, you know, <laughs> voice. It's right. Like, God damn it. <laughs> I was really interested to talk with you guys. Like as soon as I heard it, um, you know, I usually listen to the Bantam interview like the day of just so it's fresh. And so I was listening to you guys like an hour ago and that was like the first thing that popped into my head. It was like, Oh, I, I got to ask about like this persona because i haven't really had too many bands where that's like a an obvious thing and mm. i think for you guys it definitely works like it works like you were saying like the, the snottiness and like the the subject matter like you're kind of um mocking like a lot of political stuff like a lot of current stuff and i think it's exactly. it's like it's it's over the top but not in a way that's like I wouldn't say it's a gimmick. I, I would say it works for like what right. it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it I, wasn't I, like I, I a little humorous, then it would be weird, but it's like, there's a little bit right. of humor. There's a little bit of sarcasm and it just works. Right. It's sort of that like, nah, 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 nah. Like we're yeah. obviously joking about a lot of this stuff. And, uh, but the, at the, we're using humor to talk about some real issues, you know? And so uh, it's it's got to come from that snotty sort of sarcastic like, but we're having fun, you know. Like I I grew up listening to hip hop, and you know, especially Eminem. Like he had so many different voices or personas for his different modes, right? It's Slim Shady, you know. Um, awesome that you uh, bring that up because I'm it just I'm has like the you Detroit know right area love Eminem. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of my favorites, and and I think like. Uh, it just as an artist, it helps you to have that sort of thing to slide into with certain types of songs. And uh, you know, every song has uh, or story needs a different type of delivery or, or 
or, or needs a delivery that it requires, right? Or requirement. And I think these songs require that, I guess, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious, like I said, I'm fascinated with like the idea of like stage personas and like, I'm a front man of my band and like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out like who it is that I want to be because it's cool. Cause you can be whoever you want, you know, in a way when you're the, like when you're fronting a band, you can, I mean, obviously you want to make choices that reflect the music and reflect what it is you're trying to do, but you still have a lot of freedom there. And so I'm curious to to talk with other people who've kind of seemingly found it, but like, I'm wondering, you mentioned like, you know, trying to tailor it to specific songs, records or whatever. Do you feel now that you've released this record under the blowies with that sort of like persona, if would you release another record under the same band, but then like have like a different sort of variation of it? Cause I mean, like Bowie would do shit like that. Um, or do you feel like the approach that you have now is kind of like the signature for what the band is? Hmm. I think our approach now has enough flexibility to allow for the evolution of a persona or a character. I, I, I think, I think it is us. It's a shade of us. And, um, I think we have many different shades. And so uh, it's like a Picasso painting, you know, mm. we're showing one uh, side of things. And there's even, you know, like a slower ballady type song on, on the record that is a different mode, right? It's a different gear almost than some of the other songs. And so uh, I think as we evolve and expand our um, musical palette, I think that also opens it up for trying different things vocally, you know? Now I, that doesn't necessarily mean we will. It, we'll do it if it if it calls for it, you know. Um, but I don't see there being any real limitations to us creatively if we feel that it uh, fits whatever thing we're trying to tell. I think I think the key is that it's it has to fit in logically with um, the message we're trying to convey. I think that and another thing you said is I think another huge key is that it's a part of you still like you're not looking outside of yourself for this thing, which could lead to like a disingenuous sort of vibe. You know what I mean? Like as long as it's something that's coming from you, I don't think it's ever going to be gimmicky. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to go out and copy, you know, whoever. Or trying to, you know, uh, mirror somebody else, like my favorite bands or whatever. It's it really is a calculated thing in the sense that uh, this is how I'm delivering it because it feels right, you know. Um, and so uh, I think that's really important with art. You know, you digest your influences, you pull from all sorts of different things, but uh, ultimately you have to still put out what feels right to you and you know you, you, you i've spent 32 years since spent uh 30 years amassing this knowledge about music about songwriting about anything really and um you apply whatever conclusions or tastes that you develop uh in ultimately to your performance um but yeah it, it is very much 
it has to come from within. Otherwise, it comes off as disingenuous. Yeah, I, I wonder too, like, what is it like to, like, when you play live, you know, when you when you have this, like, sort of character persona or whatever that's becomes a little bit larger than life and in an artistic way, you know, sometimes I find this with my own music sometimes, not that I, like, have, like, a character necessarily, but, like, sometimes I'm just, like, not feeling the right mood to accurately convey the you know, the vibe of the song or whatever. But with you guys, I feel like it's, it might be even more of a challenge if you're not in the right mood, because like, you really have to pump yourself up in order to like, get into that. Maybe that's not even an issue for you guys. I'm just speculating, but like, I'm curious, like if you have any like pre-show rituals or anything like that to kind of like get yourself into that mindset or does it just kind of come naturally? Tequila. yeah that that definitely is part of it um i think that i i at least get a lot of inspiration from the music itself you know to kind of tucker's the guy with the with the vocal character but you know i i'm there too and it it's it the music gets me pumped up along with the tequila (laughs) along with the tequila oh yeah yeah what is the uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You gotta, you, I think artists got to, you know, you have to find your way into it, into any performance, right? I mean, uh, you got to hype yourself up to a certain degree. This is, I think, actually, right, Sam? I, I, I would say it's one of the more easy gigs because we're just uh, to get in the right frame of mind for it just because it's so much fun for us. And like, it, yeah. just, it just oozes that energy to begin with, you know? it's. The, the emotions about all this stuff are, especially over the last four years, have kind of you know they're right on top. It doesn't take <laughs> to get there. So, uh, um, yeah, it, this hasn't. It's not a hard thing to slip into uh, for either of us. Um, now, what about like after a show, like after you've like really just like got super into it and like high energy and things like that? Like, I wonder what it's like talking to people after a set because i'm talking to you right now and you know obviously just like very normal or you, you don't have like an accent you know what i mean but um but you know this the songs and the, your guys' style definitely calls for like an accentuated like tone of voice things like that so i wonder like if you're like after a show where well, you guys played a good set or whatever if you're like really pumped up if it's like if you find yourself like kind of still in character in a way or like still kind of like riding the wave of that vibe or if it's just kind of something that the set ends and then you're kind of just like back to just chill. Yeah. I think that the energy lingers, you know, throughout the night. Uh, I, at least for me, I get excited as hell. Um, but as far as like Tucker's voice, I mean, Tucker talks like Tucker. It's like, kind of like, like when you listen to Neil Young sing versus yeah. Neil Young talk, it's like they're totally different people almost yeah yeah i i I almost like talk in a vocal fry right i talk down here in my register i don't even sing in the same register so it's it does sound totally different regardless of you know whether or not i'm slipping into the blowies mindset yeah i just think that's i know i'm asking a million questions about this one specific thing but it really is like totally fascinating to me I, i love I love watching interviews with people 
that and now i'm doing one which is cool but like i love watching interviews with people that are like i have like this big personality on stage and then you can talk to them and then you can see like the artistry that and the thought that goes into it you know what i mean it's not just like random it's not just like just like going nuts without a purpose it's like it's thought out it's curated whereas like mm-hmm. maybe like the casual casual listener might you know hear it or see it and think like they might not you know grasp the actual work or like the thought that goes into it because it's you know if the finished product is like this crazy high energy thing where you're just like having fun going nuts it's it's easy to forget that like there's a lot of actual careful consideration and uh and like artistry that goes into that which i think is really cool and i like to highlight that we're regular michelangelo's man I'll let you say that. I'll get let you get away with that. That's fine. <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot of bands try to do the high energy thing without putting enough thought and effort into the artistic side, writing the lyrics and like having like a purpose. Yeah, you know that's what and I think they can fall like flat. That. Yeah, and it's it feels like they're bludgeoning you over the head. You know. Yeah. So. It's like you we're supposed to buy into this, but it's like you're not even buying into it. It's yeah. I I, I get that for sure. Like so or like you'll see like they're going ape shit to the to the point where like the the playing is suffering. Yeah. And like like all right, well, I kinda want it to at least sound kinda good, you know. <laughs> right. Or the other it could be the other way around too. Like all they care about is the tone. Which is great. Right. Sounds great. And, but and they're just standing still, you know. Or, yeah. Or like, or like not, I don't know, engaging. singing about pancakes or something. Right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think that's actually, to be perfectly honest, that's been my a criticism I've had of myself is like, I get so focused on the tone and things like that, and I think it's just like an embarrassment almost, like to to let loose. Because like I'll I'll go into a performance thinking like, all right fuck it i'm just gonna have fun i'm just gonna let go and then i'll be in the middle of doing it and i'm just like maybe that's just not my style i don't know (laughs) but like you can't force it i found but like the times when i do like jump around or something it always feels so weird i feel like i'm wearing like lead boots or something like it just feels awkward and i just wonder if i look as awkward (laughs) as i feel but probably Probably. yeah probably (laughs) Honestly, because probably. you're thinking it, if if you're thinking about it, the crowd can smell that out. Man. Yeah, I, I think I think you got to like you just got to practice it, you know, a bunch while you're practicing with your band and get used to it. It's like wearing fashion, like wearing clothes. It feels like somebody else's clothes until you just start wearing it every day. And it's like any other yeah. jacket or any other pair of shoes, you know, it's you yeah. have to you have to just like be that thing i think you know like (laughs) there's so many uh you know movies and whatever of uh or stories of of just actors or um musicians or anybody like that that sort of created their own myth just going off the rails because they don't know what's real anymore and it's because they've had to basically live that in order to be that all the time and like to to consistently perform it on stage and all that at the on the level that they're doing it's it's you you start to 
it's not that you're buying into it and believe that you're that. And like, you're, you know, look at like Kanye West, for instance, like you almost have to be there just to, to right. stay there all the time. You know, the stakes are like, either you're there or you're not. And if you're not like, how the fuck do you get your headset, like mindset there, you know? Also, like you're creating art and a lot of times when you're creating something, you're picking the parts of your personality that that you like the most. And if so if you're getting positive feedback in the form of like sold out arena tours and, in, in, in you know, say of someone like Kanye West or something, it's going to be really easy for you to prioritize that artistic point of view and personality. It's like, all right, well, I'm getting a lot of great feedback on this, so. I guess I don't really need to go back to my old normal self. I can be this like flamboyant out there version because people seem to dig it. But then, yeah, you can get kind of lost in the sauce. You know, you can kind of like if you believe your own hype too much or if you be, you, you become a caricature of yourself, I think is the danger. Yeah, where, yeah, that that is the danger. But and, and that's, you know, I think that's why you get folks that are smart that want to move past that. Like a Bowie killing Ziggy Stardust, you know, All right. He's done. I'm moving on, you know? And I think, I think there's like a, there's something to be said for creating a persona and living it out. And, but knowing where to stop, like a Seinfeld, even like, all right. Yeah. We're not, we're never going to get better than this. So let's end it like at the top and then do something else. You switch, you switch gears. Um, I think that's important, you know, cause it, you can overstay your welcome. Um, and there's only so much, uh, No, I, 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 I can only go so far. Yeah, no, you mentioned Seinfeld. It makes me, made me think of comedy. And I I love this, this contrast between music and comedy. I'm a big comedy fan, but like, it's interesting to think about how when you're a musician, people always want to hear the hits. But when you're a comedian, they never want to hear the same joke twice, you know? So like, you're Mm -hmm. constantly having to like kind of reinvent yourself. But it's really awesome when someone like, like you said, Bowie with like Ziggy Stardust, like they can, create this thing that people love and in the context of music people would be fine with probably having it over and over again because that just seems to be the nature of how people consume music overall but like to make the choice to be done with it and to move on to something else when you don't actually have to i think is like i respect it a lot from like an artistic standpoint you know you know that 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 is a fascinating uh insight or example i I think um, thank you thank you no (laughs) You know, it's interesting because I, I, I've heard, you know, comedians talk about the crowd. I watched, you know, like the, the uh, comedians in cars getting coffee a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, and I, and I watch a lot of comedians like talking about their favorite music. It's, it's so funny how, how much in awe comedians are of musicians uh, sometimes. And they still, and anybody like uh, with their favorite bands, they're always in awe. Like even, even like Barack Obama, you know, he, he was, I saw him do an interview recently about his latest book. And uh, he was talking about the moments in the White House when he, he was like, wow, like he had to pitch himself. He said one of the moments was when like Paul McCartney was there you know, singing Michelle. Right. Uh, you know, there's still this power with music that uh, I think what it is, is, is the difference between music and, and like a comedy, a joke like you're saying is they're similar in the sense that an audience wants to feel a certain emotion from both things. Right. And they, mm-hmm. the, the emotion they get from comedy is, is 
joy, humor. They can laugh at something or relief even um, from about a certain topic, right? And and I think comedians deliver that, and then if you hear it again, it doesn't have the same impact because you've already it had it's innately in, tied to um, the the freshness of the topic and that catharsis that comes with hearing the joke, right? Um, it takes on a different shade. Whereas with music, I think we're able, musicians can almost um, freeze this moment in time that uh, you go through in life. I mean, like, I, I don't know if you've ever put on a song, like, and that brings back these memories rushing right back. So, oh, what bring back smells why, even, dude. Right. That's why people want to hear the songs that are familiar to them and that they identify with because it's a way of remembering. It's giving them that feeling again. Yeah. So that's why they want to hear the hits. That's why they yes. want to listen to music. And it's, it's a different thing than the jokes, but they're still going for a feeling, you know, it's so that I, I think that's, I don't know. That might be the no, best you're, way I can describe it right now. <laughs> no, you, you're fully onto it because I, I think it's, a couple points I have, like one is music. It, it evokes more senses than, um, than comedy does, you know, just in general, you know, you're, you're hearing, you're feeling a little bit more, but I think from the perspective of the comedian and the perspective of the musician, each one has something, there's something about each one that is appealing to the other. So like for a comedian, the idea of being able to revisit those special moments and recapture them and like kind of have this built in sort of vibe that, you know, you're going into has its appeal. And then being a musician, looking at a comedian, it's appealing to know that like you're constantly doing something new and there's no one demanding really. I mean, like if you go to a comedy show and someone's demanding yelling from the crowd that you tell your old jokes, everyone knows that that person's a dumbass. You know what I mean? Whereas like you can yell, go to Skinner concert and yell free bird and everyone's like, yeah, free bird, you know? So I think or any other concert. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was a bad example because that's what, just what people yell. I've been guilty. Of I, find, you know, I find that annoying. It's gotten to the point of uh, overkill, but I, you get it. You get it. They think they're funny. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like people, they want to hear their, their favorites, man. They want to hear their favorites. The, yeah, it's, it's weird how different forms of entertainment. Um, Uh, no, I totally have, have different outputs, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think um, it's, it's, I'm surprised that you don't see more people doing both. I mean, not that it's like easy or something, but I feel like there's so much of like, uh, there's so many parallels between musicians and comedians when in terms of like connecting with an audience, things like that. And, you know, that's not to say that most bands when they think they're doing funny stage banter it's just like kind of like all right what's the next song but there's definitely examples i think of and i'll probably get shit for this from some listeners but i think john mayer is an example where he's obviously an accomplished musician but then he also does like the comedy stuff with dave Chappelle, and like he has like there's just a, a sense of how to work a crowd that i'm surprised that you don't see a little bit more of that overlap because of the similarities and and like the mutual appeal, you know. Yeah, I think 
comedy is really hard to do, especially, you know, you're on your own with just a mic. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and John Mayer, I think, uh, um, has, <laughs> has, has found that to be the case. I, I think, uh, you know, he's gotten himself into trouble trying to be funny <laughs> in the past. Yes, he has. <laughs> but he is a now very he- funny guy. You know, he's quick. A lot of musicians are quick. And, uh, I think, I think, I think there is something to it, like in terms of captivating an audience and holding their attention, being able to like actually tell jokes and, 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 uh, connect with an audience in between songs like that on that level is, uh, it's useful, but it's very difficult. It's, it's a difficult thing. Um, but you're right. It has a lot to do with reading the audience. yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it depends. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily something where like every single band has to has to deal with reading the room because like you guys, I listen to your record. It's it's kind of like straightforward. You know, it's it's punk. Like you know what you're getting. So it's like if if someone's at your show, I I think maybe you have to worry a little bit less about like all right, what the type of mood are they going to be in tonight? Whereas like if you're like you mentioned Prince earlier, like such a diverse catalog and probably did, wouldn't even need to plan a set list and just could just read the audience and you know create a set list based on the vibe in the room which just seems kind of crazy to me um but yeah i think i mean do you guys find that well actually let me rephrase the question here because i wanted to ask about like what the scene is like in austin so are the bills that you're playing on are they like pretty like front to bottom like punk or they're pretty diverse i'm i'm not sure what the uh i've been to austin i love it there and it's just like a lot of like you know on sixth street it's a lot of just like blues rock or country rock cover bands shit like that but i'm wondering like what the diy scene is sort of like down there and what kind of shows you guys are generally on yeah there's um there's sometimes where we end up on shows with like a bunch of punk bands uh with like the the promoters trying to you know, cater to a certain crowd or do some sort of punk event. Um, but typically I'd say that it's a really good mix of genres that play together. And that's for a lot of shows in town, not just us. Um, which I think is really cool. You yeah. have like, you could have like a, some like synth pop band. In fact, we did this show with a synth pop band, uh, before the pandemic and it was really fun and then you have like maybe like some i don't know you could have like a hip-hop artist play after you that sounds so much fun to me i'm in yeah and that does happen a lot yeah there's a lot of different uh styles in austin in the original scene sam you want to talk a little bit about the difference between like the uh the sixth street scene and like Actual music in Austin? <laughs> Actual music. Yeah, so the 6th Street scene is kind of... It's like, I don't know. I never did it. T- Tucker actually did it. He could probably talk about it. But, you did, you know, you make a buck, I guess, if you play in front of people. But it's not the same as the DIY scene, which is, you know, you go over a few blocks and you're on Red River and there's a bunch of clubs there. And, you, you know, that's where you'll see your three or four band bills all playing original songs. Nobody's in the crowd, uh, you know, and they're just like pouring their hearts out to whoever's willing to be there and listen. It's 
It's the cool. Other band. Yeah, and the other bands and the bartenders. But that's you know that's not all the time. And a lot of bands do have a really good following, and you'll have packed packed shows. And I think it's probably like everywhere. But yeah, and the bands that come out of Austin that are original bands, that's where the scene that they're coming from. You know, they're not coming out of the Sixth Street scene. Sixth Street scene is uh, when I first moved there. You, uh, a lot of musicians when they first move there, they think that's the scene, right? Or you get kind of caught like, in this like little Broadway on Nashville type shit. Yeah, exactly. You get caught in this trap of like doing the cover gigs because they pay really well, and there's an audience, but the audience is there for a certain thing, and they're all tourists. They're built but in. It's a built-in thing. It's tourists, and that's where actually. That's where like really being able to know the crowd and play the crowd comes in nicely because you can, you know, you have a Rolodex of how, however many songs and uh, you pull whatever out, <laughs> whatever Katy Perry song out needed <laughs> for that evening. Um, but that's not really where the uh, artistic uh, fulfillment comes from. So, and it's easy to keep, to s- stay in that. Uh, mode. So I, I'm glad I found guys like Sam and and uh, some other awesome uh, musicians that are, you know really talented in in the original music scene. And that's that's what's fun. That's there's a great scene in Austin for that. There's just so many so much and the, the lo- local Austinites, man. The people that live there, there's so much appreciation for original music. There really is more more than many other cities I've been to. Yeah, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of talent too. I mean, so many of the bands are just so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of it kind of sucks, you know, like bands would be so good but never see the light of day just cuz the map the, the market's so saturated with good talent. That's true. Yeah. And you mentioned it also, it was interesting cuz I was just talking to my buddy about this topic earlier you mentioned how like how easy it is once you're in that like sort of sixth street sort of commercial like cover band sort of scene it's it could be easy to stay there because there's always going to be built-in audience i was talking to my buddy about like imagine if like you you grow up you want to be an actor and like that's your dream you know and then you get to hollywood and you find that you're getting work doing commercials for fucking verizon and then you're like, all right, well, I'm making a paycheck. And then you just completely drop your artistic aspirations. And you're just like, well, I'm an actor. You know, I, I do commercials now. Like, I just wonder, like, what it is, uh, like, what makes certain people, you know, not <laughs> more likely to settle for that. And I guess, you know, you have to almost have a sickness to where it's like, you really need to fulfill yourself artistically. Like, you know, to make it about music, like, you could it's probably a lot easier to get a job writing like commercial jingles than it would be to like have an original band, you know? And yeah. if, if you grew up wanting to be a musician and then you just like stopped at, I just, it just fascinates me to think about like who, who grows up like playing guitar in the room and just like loves music. And then they get a job writing like commercial jingles and then they're done. That's like, that's just what they do. Like, I don't understand that. That's just wild to me, but just, you know, just to comment on how, easy it is i think to fall into that trap not to like knock people who do those things i love commercial jingles but like i can't imagine feeling that way at the same time yeah and to an extent you could maybe throw in to that category like the the hired gun guy 
you know? Yeah. Like you could get sucked into the hired gun realm and never have time to do your own thing. Right. That could be an issue for someone. I don't know. I tried it for a little bit, tried to be a hired gun. I always got way more joy out of playing my own songs. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And it's it's crazy too because the hired gun musicians are usually fucking monsters at their instruments. Oh yeah, they're great. But but it's it's interesting to think that like it it's be more fulfilling to just be playing like power chords that you wrote than to like play these virtuosic things that is on a like per pay type basis. You know what I mean? Right, right. And you know, I'm sure the you know those guys who do that they they love doing that. So more power. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. The thing, I think I think you're right. I think it is a sickness. <laughs> I think it's I mean sickness. I I I think I'm with you because. But I I do find I do I don't think it's like any of these people get into that and they're settling. I think there's a certain amount of like maybe they don't have the sickness anymore. Maybe the struggle. Uh, cures them of it to a certain degree, or they find joy in this one aspect of it. I think there's a lot of like, look, you have the dream or the idea of what something is, and then you're faced with the reality of it, and you're like, fuck, mm-hmm. this isn't that enjoyable. Like, the, there's so many aspects of it that I don't like, and here's something that I actually do like, and I get full creative control over writing this like badass fucking jingle. No one's gonna change the music, and like, I could be happy with it creatively. You know, there are guys that like kill commercials right yeah like i uh so you know i I think then there are the people who do feel like they settled and those are the people that aren't happy or fulfilled but i think uh i think there's plenty of people in any job uh i would hope in the creatives especially because if you're pursuing any sort of creative job none of it's easy there's a ton of competition out there and uh i think you really do have to do it at a level that requires you to be invested in it to a large degree, emotionally beyond just financially. And so even the jingle writer writers, I think got to, got to kind of love the, whatever roller coaster there is involved with that. Cause I'm sure there's time constraints and uh, putting together the team to do the jingle and having to meet the, 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 you know, uh, qualifications that the corporate guys set out or like interpreting them. It's just like doing graphic design, like for, uh, for a, like IBM or something like that. You got to be able to speak their language and solve the puzzle kind of, um, yeah, it's not, it's not painting a Mona Lisa every time, but you're solving a puzzle. And I think there's, there's something rewarding in that achievement when you've solved the puzzle. And it, yeah. your, and it still meets your creative standards. That's a really interesting place to sort of find yourself, I think. Yeah, I would agree. I think where I guess maybe where more of like the sickness aspect comes in is when you start to look at like need for recognition or like fame. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, I think that's where it actually resides. It's not like you have this because, you know, you can work for commercials and things like that and you could still write your own masterpiece and be and some people can be completely fulfilled just writing it for themselves but then other people are just like 
consumed by this need to like have it be known out in the world. You know what I mean? Sure. But like and, how many people know, you know, death cab for cutie versus ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. If my parents would know a death cab for cutie song. You know, they might, but not, they'll definitely know ba da ba 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 or, one eight hundred five eight eight Empire, or you know any of the other jingles we grew up listening to, <laughs> right? But you don't um, associate those to like a face, though. You know what I mean? Like you don't. Well, you, you associate, associate it with to the brand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. You're not like that was Bob Selig or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like sure many, of those the many of the jingle writers have like a whole scene that they know about. You know, <laughs> many of the jingle writers appreciate. The rock star jingle riders, and that's all they need, you know, recognition within their field. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's Hopefully like, there's no jingle writers listening to this and they are getting offended <laughs> and they're gonna message me and be like, it's a lot harder than you think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I wanna real quick before we before we wrap up, I wanna um just kind of go over like thematically like your record one more time. Like yeah, what yeah. was because like obviously it's very current it's like political but in like a i think an endearing way like it knows what it is you know what i mean it's not like yeah. annoyingly half-assed political i think you kind of no. go for it but what yeah we, it's it's definitely not half-assed I'll, I'll tell you that much no it's it's, it's in your face <laughs> it's in your face yeah. all right but it's uh, it's not like i don't know it, it's not hard to listen to though at the same time but i'm just curious like what thematically what what were you trying to say with it what types of things i guess were you trying to say um, tucker, tucker you got this you want me to take this one okay yeah you got this yeah i think so there's a lot of man we're starting to come down from it a little bit but you know there's still just chaos and i i think um just the the rate at which the roller coaster hits its peaks is increasing the roller coaster of life and media, the news cycle. And just, there's just one outrage after another, after another, after another. And how do you digest it all? How do you compute it all? It's, it's, it's chaos. It's sort of crazy, right? It's a little absurd and, uh, humor, you know, comedians, uh, humor is one of the best ways to sort of, digest it without like i don't know putting a gun to your head um, or putting putting a gun to your own head <laughs> um right the the uh otherwise you know we yeah without humor we'd sort of i don't know uh, it'd be difficult to to get through these last four years um and so music i think too has that that ability to to provide a catharsis in a sense and we we're using we're sort of being absurd ourselves in the topics we're taking sometimes absurd positions um to point out how absurd a lot of this is right it's and satire. our goal is not really to take sides although we do take positions uh but it's it's we we're you know we're tackling things like social media and um you know russia right not necessarily life and death all the time right right and i think uh 
the goal is to take the piss out of it a little bit, you know? And, uh, yeah, our band motto is, is, um, what is it, Sam? <laughs> um, fight the, we, we fight the absurd with the absurdity or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I read something along those lines. Email. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. We, 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 uh, we're a little, we're a little, uh, a little exaggerated, a little over the top, but, um, and that, that also makes some of these topics easily digestible. We're not, we're not preachy, you know, we're not beating anybody yes. over the head with it. And, uh, I think you, you hear a lot of artists that try to do the protest song or whatever. And it's so preachy that you can't even stomach it. You know, yep. <laughs> you might yep, agree with exactly. the views, but it's so preachy. You know, here we're talk we talk about gun control from the point of view of like <laughs> a guy that likes guns and we're like just taking the piss yeah. out of it, you know, making yes. fun of ourselves, making fun of that, you know, a little bit, you know. Right. Sam likes I grew up shooting uh rifles and stuff and Sam goes hunting still every season and it's like it's like there we're just pointing out how drastic it's gotten how extreme it's gotten on any side that you can't just have a conversation anymore about some reasonable middle of the road thing <laughs> yeah it's like civil discourse is being replaced by just like this unilateral mob psychology in a lot of time yeah. a lot of instances yeah. and that's mm-hmm. so annoying to me i lo- like it, i can appreciate when anyone tries to take the piss out of this stuff because it we're desperately in need of that like there are so many things that deserve to be taken seriously but also i feel like there's almost nothing that you can't kind of have a sense of humor about and still take seriously like you can make jokes about certain things and still be on the right side of history you can like take a subject a little bit lightly just almost as like comic relief from the devastating seriousness of it like that's comedy it was that thing people say like comedy equals tragedy plus time you know what i mean like these yeah anything can be funny i don't know people need to lighten up that's what i'm trying to say and i like that you guys take that sort of approach to it like it's not too serious you tackle serious subjects but in a way that's like it's clear what your positions are which is smart you know that you're able to make that clear but it's also like oh if i if i disagreed with you i probably wouldn't be super offended by it either because you're not like being assholes about it yeah, just and like at the same time, time, we're kind of trying to be assholes about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like we're, we're in a playful way. Be, yeah, a exactly. smile on your we're, face. We're basically <laughs> daring you to to say something. <laughs> right, um, and that's you know that's our album cover too. We got we got a our album cover is a is an ear with earplugs on it. Like, <laughs> dare you to listen, you know? But we warn you. <laughs> Oh, that's it's, what that's for. Okay. We have a healthy dose of humor with everything, man. I think that's important. We got we actually have a song coming out on Christmas Day, uh, that it's called First Flight Out of Town," a follow up or a, a, a coda, if you will, to the album. Um, sort of wrapping up our our feelings about this presidency the last four years and how we're still almost. Uh, we feel like we're we're sitting uh, atop a powder keg ready to blow man you know like even you yeah. know our the, we will have a transition of power it doesn't mean that the country is 
can see it that way. It's just, will it be this year or in 2024? Who knows? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, no, I'm fucking around. That's, that's a terrifying thought, but it, you know, it is kind of fucking, if you can't like, if you can't joke about this, then like, I just feel like there's you know, no sense of humor just because like the, the, just the, the level of absurdity of what is actually happening. Like for people listening, it's December 21st, I think, you know, like I'm pretty much a month away from the inauguration. And like, this guy is talking about just the most insane shit. Yeah. Yeah. Martial law. It's crazy. We, we joked about that. We started joking about that years ago. Oh, he's probably going (laughs) to declare martial law and we're all fucked. And that's sort of what the song's about. It's, it's no joke. The song that's coming out is called first one at town because you know basically uh the goons have taken over and uh you know <laughs> shutting, shutting down the borders and we got to get out and they're uh you know it's it's fucking absurd that we had a song <laughs> about impeachment it was a christmas single uh two years ago <laughs> that came true we were asking santa claus for impeachment and it came true a year later it was great uh, <laughs> that's yeah, but it's unfo- unfortunately it's, you knew it wasn't going to do anything. It was just like yeah. just a fucking sideshow. It had right. to be done, like ethically, morally, had to be done. But it's just like I don't think anyone was surprised by the outcome either. Like he's been so predictable. Almost everything he's done has been like entirely predictable, based on just like what would the most, what's the most narcissistic thing you could do? Oh, he did it. Okay, he did it again. Right. Just look at the Mussolini handbook, and and you'd you'd get a pretty good prediction of what he was going to do. <laughs> Do they have that Mussolini handbook? No, no. <laughs> Sell it at TJ Maxx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he has the Mussolini handbook. <laughs> he's, he's, I think, I think that's his favorite era. Yeah. Well, dude, I've, I mean, I've heard rumors that like he would used to like. I don't know if it's true or not, but like people said that he used to like read Hitler speeches and shit to like get an idea for how to like you know, influence the masses, not saying I, I'm not comparing him to Hitler because I think that's kind of like, Oh, you know, out of bounds a little bit, but like, I don't, I don't think it's that far out. I mean, look, the, the, uh, in terms of like was, genocide and things like that is what I mean. No, no, I, I, I mean, in terms of, uh, Hitler's, uh, Hitler took, he, he maintained power and he took it, uh, as far as he could. Right. I think, I think yeah. the, in, I think he has the same, um, oratory uh charismatic instincts as a fascist like hitler or mussolini and uh i think the what happens if you don't recognize it and point that out um is that it could get worse and you know it's called appeasement basically um i and he he he, he's he's using all the same plays scapegoating all this stuff to get to power lying um he's tapping into uh this myth you know uh um the same way hitler did with uh you know he's tapping into the idea that globalism made all the jobs go away and other people are to blame right that the immigrants um came into right. the country, they're taking your jobs you know um tapping into con- th- that that streak of conspiracy theory that runs throughout our country uh people want um reasons to explain away their problems that they can understand right and and 
it's a powerful thing to have somebody that's famous, charismatic, known for being a great businessman. Not that he is one, but was at least on TV. Um, right. You have that, and he's saying all the things that make you feel vindicated. And yeah, this guy has the answers, and you follow it. And it's totally understandable. It's just like, uh, you know, at a concert, you listen to your favorite song, right? And the singer tells you to sing along and you start singing the chorus. It's the same thing that he's tapping into, but really, really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, like he's just so singing I, Ronald Reagan's greatest hits with his own spin on it. Sure. He's just a performer and his instincts are fascist in yeah. that way. He's it, performing and he's having to then back it up. Right and and keep keep the audience. So he's he's just uh, it's it's predictable in that it's going to end up unless you stop him, um, like a Hitler or again a Mussolini. Probably less violent than than a Hitler, I would hope. Uh, I don't I don't think he's a true believer in anything other than himself. But you know, yeah, uh, he's probably more like a Mussolini. <laughs> Yeah, still not great company. Hopefully by the yeah. time this episode comes out, because I'm on a little bit of a delay, there will have been a, uh, at worst, mildly humorous transition of power to uh, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> you know, and I, as much as like, it's, I'm, you know, almost ashamed to admit, it's been very entertaining for me to read what does Trump think he's going to do next. Like what? What's his next move going to be? Like after like like the electoral college like votes and it's a official official, and then I'm just I find myself interested. Like all right, well now what's his angle going to be? You know, because it's it's almost like I'm almost falling victim to what he is like a performer, an entertainer more than he is like a real like world figure, but who he actually unfortunately is. But I'm. My point is, I'm looking forward to it just being over. I think I, I think. But it's not going to be over. Yeah, it's the thing is, he didn't lose; it was stolen from him. So they've redefined (laughs) what that means. Seriously. Yeah. True. He managed to convince like half the country that this is alternate facts. And so, uh, dangerous spot still, and and Biden is going to have a difficult time. Yeah, I don't envy his position at all. It's going to be like I've heard rumors like Trump starting like a a news organization. And she's like, can you imagine like if OAN is ridiculous, can you imagine <laughs> what Trump, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is that even going to be? Is it, it might as well just call it like the Q network. It, it's he finally like day after the inauguration is going to come out and say everything was Q it was true. And all these people are the, you know, adrenochrome drinking pedophiles, which. That's we. Uh, that's enough to get an entire other hour. So I'll just cut it off there. Everyone knows QAnon's fucking batshit crazy. We don't have to get into it. But I appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, hopefully this podcast was, uh, you know, hopefully it was worth the while. Hopefully you guys got what you wanted out of it. Hopefully you know the the goal is to like you know show people like your fans or listeners whatever kind of like the people behind the music you know the personalities behind the the musical personalities you know what i mean so 
hopefully it was worthwhile for you. Um, yeah, man. I like long walks on the beach. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite color is green. <laughs> I like hey, that doesn't always, rhyme. And you could always send me uh, um, chocolates on Valentine's Day. I don't know. <laughs> I'll put I'll put the address in the episode description. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. But, thanks um, for having us on. This is this yes, is good. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to just list real quick like where people can find you on social media and like where they can find the music and stuff? Uh yeah, yeah. Uh go to our Instagram page. Uh our handle's just the blowies. Uh you can find our music on any streaming service. Spotify, Apple Music. Uh we're on Bandcamp. Um, you can go to our website and look at our merch. All that's for sale as well. We got some merch bundles for oh, yeah. you. Buy shit, buy shit, please. Buy shit. Yeah, buy stuff. Uh, if you buy a, a CD of ours, it's a little bit special. Yeah, comes with dime bags. Not only will it, you not be able to play it, but you'll also. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You'll be able to play it. It's just you have to have a CD player for it. <laughs> CDs still exist. I forget about them. But. <laughs> See, yeah. no, but I mean, but, uh, it is special, right, Sam? It's it's got like a a three D uh, element to it. It does. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. So go uh, to the website. Uh, I think it's what is it? Theblowies.com. Yeah, theblowies.com. Cool. Lowies.com. Yeah, yeah. We got we got t-shirts, we got koozies, we got button pins, we got stickers. Ooh, we, got, we have we got, bu- bubblegum chapstick. Yeah, yeah. That were you about to say, Sam? Sorry. I was gonna say that. Yeah, that's a new one. But it's good yeah. stuff. I tell you what, it's good stuff. Keep those lips nice and lush. <laughs> oh yeah. That's Taste, a new one. Tasting like that. tasty too. Nice. All right, dude. Appreciate you guys coming on. I'll let you know this is going to come out and everything. Um, Yeah. That's it, folks. Make sure you check out our sponsors, Two Foot Parade Records, and hit us up if you would like to become a sponsor of the podcast. We have very reasonable rates if you want to promote something on the pod. Um, We can do a buy episode rate. Very cheap. I swear to God, it's affordable. Anyone can afford it, even if you don't have a job. I swear you could afford it to get the word out about your stuff um so hit me up invite the neighbors at gmail.com i want to promote your shit i also would like to make a little gas money and you know if we could do a little quid pro quo as they say why the hell not anyways enjoy um the rest of your lives until you come back to the center of it the next time i release an episode all right i love you so much thank you for listening